Thank you for joining us on the Homegrown Podcast. Uh, if you are a new listener, we really appreciate you taking the time um, and listening to our content. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. We appreciate the continued support. Um, you can find us on all of our social medias at the Homegrown Podcast. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to your podcast. Like I always mention, if we are not on a specific platform, please let us know so we can figure uh, that out. I have a really special guest with me, someone that I met really through odd circumstances, and we'll get into how we met, but Asima, how are you? And thank you for joining me. Hi, guys. Um, I'm doing really good. I'm really, really excited. I'm into podcasts and speaking and everything, so when you asked me to be on that, I was super stoked. Cool. And I've been looking forward to it, like, all week. (laughs) No, no, I I appreciate it, because, like... And we'll, and like, let's just, just dive into it. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? What What's your family like? Where, where do you guys yeah. all hail from? All that good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So I was born in Macedonia and my whole family is from there. I'm the oldest child. So my parents had me there, but then um, immigrated to America in Wisconsin when I was about like just barely like one yeah so I I don't really remember growing up there or anything because you know I was a baby but my family did come from there and they were like first generation kind of coming to America and we landed in Wisconsin specifically in Ripon which is about like an hour or so away by Oshkosh yeah and I grew there for like um majority of my elementary school years um I it was there till I was in third grade, and then I moved around a couple of times in third grade. Yeah. I don't know. We just couldn't find a spot where we wanted to land. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. But then we finally landed in Lodi when I was in third grade, and I've been here ever since. Um, my parents and um, my grandpa, because uh, he lives with us and stuff, um, always has. They always were... Um, business owners so they always started their own restaurants from and rip in from any other place that we moved they always were like starting restaurants and that was their workplace and we grew up first of all in Ripon. we had like a we lived with my brother my dad's brother okay so we were like this big family we're all albanian we're all um muslim and then after that we kind of like split up and then we've just been in lodi our family for 
seven plus years now because I'm in um, freshman in college now. Yeah. So yeah. most of my, you know, middle school, well, elementary school too, elementary, middle school, and high school, all was in Lodi. So how many uh, siblings do you have? I have two younger siblings. Two. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So, so they're still one, they're still in school, I assume, in Lodi. Yeah. Yeah. One is in um yeah, freshman in high school and the other is sixth grader in middle school. Okay. Gotcha. So So your family's got a couple more to get through the the program, the system, so to speak. Uh, yeah. First off, what was were are your family practicing Muslims then? I I yeah. from what I've talked to you about in the past. How is that growing up? Was that different was it just kind of usual for you guys because like I I don't know really quite honestly I don't think really anyone outside of like mainly Christian following that like that I know of besides you um so was that was that different as growing up maybe like a like a practicing Christian family at all oh yeah I think it's definitely very different um so basically so yeah, I'm Albanian and Muslim. So, you know, a lot of uh, culture things that happen, like Albanianly, yeah. which is not a word. No, I got but, you. Um, sometimes trickle in into like um, other Muslim practices. So mm. I know a lot of my family members are very culturally like Albanian. Gotcha. But then also there's like that like Muslim Albanian kind of identity where um, they they're like kind of practicing not like completely but um definitely like label ourselves like muslim and like walk around pray occasionally and stuff like that but for some reason i was um kind of like more passionate about it in my family mm. like in my family yeah so um it all started when i was in uh middle middle school or early um I mean, late elementary school where my parents were like, oh, we probably should like start teaching you more about like Islam and like mm. Muslim stuff. Yeah. And that's when they took me to uh, Sunday school in Madison. Okay. Uh, there was like a Muslim Sunday school where they taught us um, how to pray, how to like, you know, our beliefs, our like little systems and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it wasn't until I like met a lot of friends and like, learned about it that I was like super passionate about it I grew up going in like middle school and high school I was a lot more practicing than maybe even my parents were okay which kind of looks like you know um just like praying five times a day Mm -hmm. and like um fasting during like Ramadan Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um just being more like uh, expressive with my Muslim identity okay. than yeah. my Albanian al- identity. Yeah. And that always kind of stirred up a couple of things because um, my family was always a little bit like, this wasn't spoken, but it was like one of those unspoken tensions yep. where it was like, you probably shouldn't demonstrate that you're Muslim. Like mm. you shouldn't display your identity like don't tell people at school don't like bring it up keep it really down low and like that yeah so it was kind of like even from my family because it was I understand why it was like they were fearful Mm. they knew that you know I mean they they had the ever since we first moved here we've uh we own Lucy's family restaurant Mm mm-hmm 
a staple um, in Lodi if you're ever <laughs> passing through or from. Yes, come on. We've been best breakfast for like so many consecutive years. No, yeah, been. it's the spot. <laughs> but yeah, that that's us. And um, they were always had a fear because, you know, they see the people like we mm. see the community firsthand we serve them they talk to us we see how they what they talk about you know that's interesting and we have yeah. them for years and they know the community through that mm. and they were fearful for me to show who i am muslim wise and that i don't know if i mentioned this but you know how i used to live with like my uncle yeah and his, he has three boys and two of them grew up in lodi too they went oh, okay. to elementary school and graduated at the high school okay so some of the things um, that I experienced, they also experienced. So it was just who are was, who are they? When would they have graduated? Oh shoot, I forget when are they, they like, graduated. Are they like older? Are they older than me? I don't I'm, know how old you are, but they're like twenty six. Okay, so probably around the same age. Mike, uh, Mikey Bramey, he was on the football team, and then Udi Bramey, hmm. Brami. Doesn't sound. That's interesting, though. I probably, like, if I saw their face, maybe. Maybe, yeah. I'm really bad with names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too, me too. So bad. But that's an interesting perspective. Like, you you know, like you said, like, your family is literally serving the community every day. So it's kind of like they have, like, a weird foot in the door type of invo- yeah. like understanding of, like, maybe the conversations that were happening. Because, you know, like, everyone... Everyone goes to Lucy's, right? So, like, you're seeing probably a huge percentage of that and then hearing just conversations while you're working. And, that, yeah, that's mm-hmm. interesting, though. Did, so yeah. what was – by you just kind of being more outward, outwardly spoken about your religion, was was that something that you kind of had to work through or was it just, like, instantaneous of, like, no, this is me. I just want to represent it. Or did you have to, like, kind of slowly work up to that, if that makes sense? I definitely had to slowly work up to it. Hmm. It was like, I I remember most of it happening, um, more of this like confusion of like, oh, you know, I'm not really, su- I'm supposed to be this. I'm not supposed to be this. Interesting though. And like, you know how everyone's trying to fit in in middle school. But for me, it was so like, it was so like weird. Mm. I feel like because... Not only am I Albanian, but I'm also Muslim. And I feel like even though um, Islam and Muslim doesn't really have, like, um, a culture or, like, a face necessarily, this was still, like, people were still obsessed with 9-11. People Mm. still had things going on. I still had, you know, things going up on the news and, like, all those stuff. Yeah. their faces and like the stereotypes and stuff like that is you know brown people Mm. you know middle east or Mm -hmm. uh, there's like for some reason there's a culture there's a mindset already attached to that right and it's like people you know have assumptions that i'm from there that i'm this or i'm that i'm that and it's like well what is my muslim identity but then i'm also albanian so it's like what what is that supposed to look like? And right. it was just very, um, very confusing all the time. And uh, no, yeah, I can't, I can't even imagine because, like, on top of that, right? Like, you're growing up in the United States, so you also have like that cultural impact. So it's like you're kind of juggling through 
and obviously at that time of adolescent age, it's uncomfortable, right? Like everyone's going through puberty and everything like that. It's it's hard at that age of just like finding out who you are, but then like sprinkling in, like you said, these different perspectives and what who are you supposed to be. Um, hmm, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, because like, so I think it was a little bit different for me because just based on like how I look just a little bit, because um, I'm so like, if you look like at Albanians, like generally, like mm-hmm. they are looking like white people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. They are usually very, you know, pale skinned, light hair, yeah. light eyes, or they are light skinned or like have, you know, dark hair. Right. And so, but for me, I'm very tan. Yeah. And I almost look Turkish. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so my sister also looks like that too, where we have darker features and we're very tan. Like even in the winter, we're very tan. Right. Um, so that is like always like, e- even yesterday we had uh, to like explain to someone, they're like, so are you like, cause we were talking about um, what ethnicity you circle on like documents yeah. and we like, circle white. And they're like, why why are you guys lying and I was like what do you mean and they're like well you shouldn't be circling white you guys aren't white and I was like well like what do you want us to put like there's not that many options it's not yeah. like it says on there no, yeah. like, you put pick like non-hispanic or something like that and I was like I, I mean I don't know because like Albania is in Europe and it's a right. European country which is Caucasian um, which is Caucasian. So like, I don't know what you want me to put. Like, I find it. Yeah. That's crazy. Cause I find that interesting one that that person cared because I find it such an unusual thing. Cause like this has happened. Like there's a conversations like this all over the place with like checking the box and what you put and who you are. It's like, why do you care so damn much? Like, does it affect you that like, if your document, you decide to check that, does this affect that person's life by any sort of the imagination? Probably not. Mm-hmm. So it's just this weird fixation on it. But then, like you said, these documents are not diverse. You're either white, Hispanic, Asian, black. Like that's that. It is not a diverse material where you get to like go by country and figure out who that is. It's like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do then? You know, yeah. that's crazy. That's what would. Do you mind if I ask you what the document was for? Was it just like an application? Um, I assume, or something. Yeah, no, no, it wasn't like uh, the documentation wasn't going to that person. It was just like a, f- a friend of my sister's. Okay, just and my sister was, it just like came up and she asked her. That's crazy. And then my, her friend was like, oh, why would you put that blah, blah, That's so, so weird. That's interesting. I, I kind of want to ask, like, why did you ask that? Like, why does it matter? <laughs> yeah, that's such like a... They, yeah, I know. And that's that's been the thing. So, like, even at our restaurant... um people always ask me like where I'm from because mm. they can tell I'm mm. not from here, I guess. I don't right. know. So if I was a little bit lighter, would they have not asked? Hmm. And it's like, does your fat, does your other family who are like more pale skin tone get asked that? Or is it mostly no. just like you and your sister? Cause you said it's just like me and my sister. It's like, we're literally like the little oddballs out. That's and it's so- like, and then I always have to explain like, well, like, if you look at, like, my family pictures, like, all Albanians, like, they're all, like, really white. Like, mm-hmm. I have to, like, say that. And it's, right. like, I'm tan because I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> genetics. Like, what do you want from genetics. me? 
I don't know, maybe there was like a war and some Turkish guy like in my family line. And now right. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> but it's like, it definitely contributed to people, me being like, I guess, feeling like not as strong, but like definitely feeling what people of color might feel like. Outsider. And yeah. that's because Lodi is so small that anything that's not super pale stands out. Mm. And, like, I definitely did feel that. And I did, like, experience some stuff. And because of that, like, people always kind of questioned me or looked at me like, mm. where are you from? Like, mm. oh, you guys' English is so good. And That's um, so crazy that someone <laughs> says that to you. Like, this is... this is last week. <laughs> this, is, this is why I don't... Okay, because what... And we'll get more into this later, I'm sure. But... That is part of the issue you and me and different other people of color and marginalized groups are trying to address. Like, is that the worst thing to happen to someone that is in a marginalized group? No, because you're asking. But, like, it is just another layer to show you what you have to endure to try and get your education, right? Like, these, it, there are individuals in the school district that – get to just go to the school district. They don't have to answer questions of where they're from. They don't have to try and prove that's where they're from. They don't have to explain why their English is quote unquote so good. There's none of that shit, right? And so like they, in my opinion, and I'm not an expert, this is just my opinion of witnessing and experiencing my own stuff and hearing from other stories, is that that contributes to the mental health of a student, Right. Because now you're th- you're not focusing on that shit. You're focusing on so and so who just made this stupid ass comment when there's mm. better ways to go about this. Right. That's crazy. I don't that's yeah. that's insane. Because like you said, you. For all intensive purposes, you could identify and be white. Right. But you are still witnessing and experiencing these microaggressions towards you just because. Like you said, you maybe you're just you don't fit that mold, the Lodi block, right? Like, yeah. but but probably in every other city, major city, you probably just get to walk, you know, walk through life as you know part of the group. It's interesting yeah. that it's just like the small group. Um, yeah, I think the only time I like, um, like stood out mm. even more was mm. in seventh grade. Cause like I went to a Sunday school in like fifth and sixth grade mm-hmm. and like, I was so passionate about my religion. Like I loved it. I just, I was so immersed. I wanted yeah. to, be, I just wanted to be all the things that I wanted to be um, expressively with mm-hmm. my religion. And um, it was so, so near dear to my heart. And especially like as a little kid, like that doesn't like typically happen. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, but whatever, like I was, and um I actually put on the head, like the hijab, the headscarf mm-hmm. in seventh grade. And I was like, I, I wore it for a little bit. And then I wore it a little bit in eighth grade. And I wore it like also a little bit in like freshman year of high school. But like, it was very, very difficult. Like, yeah, you're just, you're just a walking target. Basically, mm-hmm. everyone is always looking at you always just like just like such a strong thing of being like you are not for here like Mm. what yeah because like that's what people 
I feel like on the flip side, don't understand part of the point we're trying to articulate is like that this the the severity of like questioning anything different is really concerning because like you weren't doing anything that <laughs> should care and so like when the majority of the group feels like that right like your fellow classmates you know whomever was doing that like you feel so isolated because the majority of people fit the people that are gawking or making comments right and so, like, I feel like that's maybe something that gets misunderstood is, like, that's what we're also talking about is, like, when you're literally one against a majority group, that's difficult on development. That's difficult on just feeling comfortable. That's difficult about being passionate about where you're from is that, like, you get these weird things. I don't know if that's how you felt. That is how I have felt, you know, and heard others yeah. feel. Well, it's also because, like, how Islam is uh, taught in mm. school and like this is probably why i hate history class yeah um because like sixth grade seventh grade eighth grade so in seventh grade when i did put on the headscarf for a little bit what my reading class my literature class was talking about we were like uh i don't know if you heard about like the mahala Mm-mm. series i think i'm pronouncing her name wrong shoot but it basically it was like this literature based around this middle eastern uh like woman and like her troubles through like the wars and um yeah. uh, how she grew up and her headscarf and how she's like you know her life and stuff like that yeah but it was very interesting um it was cool that we were learning about it but it also gave everyone the impression that muslims look like middle east right one category um, yeah mm. and i feel like because of my whole class learning about that I was always like pointed to and being like oh like did you do you do that too or you mm. do you you know mm-hmm. and I'm just like oh no like I'm Albanian right uh, you know and it was just like it was always like that like if you were taught about Islam you were it was because you're learning about the Middle East and mm. that strong connection and now because I'm a little bit tan I must be from the Middle East I must also have lived through a war. Right, like, <laughs> right, right, right. So it's like, no, like, I'm Albanian. Like, I, I'm learning about this stuff just as you guys are. Like, I don't know anything about the Middle East. I don't right. know. Well, and it's like, it's the, like you were, like, kind of were talking about. It's the execution sometimes that falls apart when good intention, like, we are glad that you're reading such literature in such a prominently white Christian community. That's great. But the execution to where you have these associations come with a one type person or, you know what I mean? Like that type of stuff. Because like you and I know people that have articulated that about black history, right? Like when they were teaching black history in the school district, they became the reference of everything black. Like, hey, Mm -hmm. you're black, so you must understand this better than we can. And just assuming that they have maybe gone through, like you said, a tragic stereotypical thing right like that they came from like a bad part of the neighborhood or whatever versus like compared to you that you must have gone through this war because you are muslim and so therefore you're from the middle east and therefore you went through x y and z it's like you they need to have a better system than just like hey here's a book about someone that's different and then just leave it at that right like you have to explain it further you have to 
articulate it better, right? Or I don't know. That's how. Yeah. Yeah. That's in, that's yeah. interesting experiences though. Um, before we yeah. go more into like that type of stuff, what is what do you feel is different between like Albanian culture and like American culture? Is there anything that in particular, as far as maybe values or beliefs that are vastly different or a little different? Because I don't know anything about that area, to be completely honest. Okay, yeah. Oh, God, this is so cool. I don't think I've ever talked about, like, Mount Vineyard culture. Uh, um, so let me think. I think Albanians' family values are very strong. Mm. Like, we um, value, like, a lot of family ties, like, you know, mom dad grandpa siblings you know everyone is just like very close and it's very important to be close yeah but then they also have a lot of values around like um like success in business Mm. like they're very much like business people like we have to and that might also be just like survival because they're also immigrants but like you know very like come here, make money, get the yeah. restaurants up and going. Like if you meet an Albanian, most likely them or their brothers or someone has a restaurant. Yeah. It's like a thing. Um, you know, food is a big thing. Um, we have a lot of different types of food. We have more of like a, a dough based food. Like we, okay. if you know how to make dough, you know how to make like 95% <laughs> of our foods. Like, very much, like, homemade bread, homemade, like, okay. stuff like that. We have um, big celebrations, so, like, weddings and uh, other, like, events like that. We really, like, go full out with music and yeah. instruments and dressing up. Like, Albanians love to – they love material, like – jewelry fashion all those things kind of sounds like similar to like greek a little bit not like very similar but like there's definitely some crossover i feel like there because like i honestly had to just look where albania is because i don't i don't know (laughs) on the map so it's is it right that it is just it is part it connects to greece Macedonia. it looks like right okay I think that's... Oh, actually, yeah, I probably right? should mention, so, like, I'm Albanian, which is, like, my my culture and my ethnicity, mm. but my whole family grew up in Macedonia. Interesting. So, okay. like, Albanians are, like, spread out through Albania, Macedonia, and Kosovo. Okay, yep, I see that. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. So, I didn't... Yeah, languages. yeah it's, like, a little little nestic there and just put the... Yeah right by Greece okay so yeah I honestly I had to look because like I was like I don't I can't even pretend to know where it is on the map (laughs) because I don't I don't interesting so I was somewhat close because I was in Greece and Italy so I probably passed Albania on that cruise interesting um probably you did yeah so what that's interesting though so it's very family oriented very very festive in the like culture of food and um just like presentability, I don't know if that's even a fucking word, but like the yeah. the, the the jewelry, the the fi- the the workers like reaping your benefits almost, right? Like you guys are hard workers, so therefore you're going to enjoy yourself with festive traditions and culture and yeah. food and taste. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. That's like super dough heavy. I didn't. I never 
I never would have realized. Yeah. I never knew how to explain it to people either because I was like, well, like, you get, you know, the dough and you just do all these things. With it. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, I don't know how to explain it to you. <laughs> I have to always ask because I love food. What is your favorite Albanian dish or, like, traditional? All right. I love – they're called um, Betola. So okay. they're basically, like – the version with the dough where you spread it, but it's a super thin type of crust okay. and you put uh, feta cheese and um, like butter on it. And then in the middle you put, uh, you can either put beans or you can put, um, it's called brass. I don't even know what you call it. <laughs> I think it's like green onions. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> and you would like, saute them and put them in the middle and then you dip it in um, Greek yogurt, plain okay. Greek yogurt. That sounds great. <laughs> like uh, tomato salads or like you cut up the tomato mm-hmm. with some onions, oil, and pepper. Okay. See, yeah, I, love I always love learning like the best food to ever get if I'm ever there because – Birek. Yeah, birek or pita. It's huge. All right. Nice. It's on, see, but that's what – like this is what I love learning is like just – this is why I think we are so passionate about getting our culture a better narrative within – Mm-hmm. society community school districts and stuff because like it has so much to offer right like imagine if you could make that for your friends or it was just better supported or talked about like there's a lot of things that we miss when we're just solely focused on one way of development right like yeah. it, like we have to teach it this way we have to educate we have to grow we have to nourish this way because that's all we know and it's not I don't think this is a fault of anything that like what you've experienced, what I've experienced, what a lot of our guests from Lodi that I'll have on here have experienced is that like, we're not saying like you're a bad town. This is all your fault. It's like, well, these are things we can correct. These are things that we can make the community better, more inclusive, more diverse, and it will grow. And I think like that's always my frustration is like, you don't want Lodi to grow. I I loved growing up there besides the shit that I had to go through. Other than that, it was a great time, but I'm not going to be an ambassador of it. And I don't think really any of us are until we can just start seeing a little bit of change, but we want to, we want to talk about good things. But when I think you mentioned this in the meeting, when people from Madison know a reputation about a city like Lodi, that's kind of fucked up. Like we got to fix that. Right. Like, and so, so let's get into that. Like I, um, we met through uh, a meeting that we had set up with different members of the school district. Pretty much all, I think they were all principals and just like higher staff, rank, rank staff. I don't know what you would call it. Um, yeah. But just people with the seat at the table, so to speak. Um, there was a group of us that just kind of talked about our experiences through Lodi, the the great things we've experienced, but also the things that I feel we all want to address um, as far as how Lodi's relationship with their students of marginalized groups, let it be LGBTQ+, let it be people of color, let it be different religions, that like you guys aren't doing the best you could and we want to voice our frustrations. Um, but you had mentioned in your thing, and I would like to kind of talk about this, and this is not the main reason, but a a contributing factor why I wanted to get you on here was you mentioned that you would travel 
uh, and if I'm wrong on this, correct me because I'm just trying to like piece it together. You were talking about um, that you had traveled to different places where you practice your religion and they asked you where you're from. You said Lodi and they had this, I don't know what you would call it, mindset or reputation they heard of of that. But what was what was that whole experience from start to finish, if you don't mind sharing? And if you don't want to share, we can skip this and go to something totally different. This is <laughs> no, I'm totally down. No, I'm so down. So yeah, um, it basically started in in Madison. There's a a huge Muslim community group. Like there's a lot of Muslims in uh, Madison, and uh, I'm so grateful that my parents took me to Sunday school because I got exposed to it from an early age. Yeah, and I got to you know learn that part of myself and. Um, I had a lot of friends um, growing into middle school, into high school, and, you know, we kind of stayed in touch, and we, like, would meet, uh, hang out all the time, and, you know, whenever they would ask me, where are you from, I'd be, like, from Lodi, and they'd be, like, oh, like, mm-hmm. basically giving me, like, a look of, like, are you okay, like, is it, like, are you doing okay, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. how was that, like, oof, good You're luck. Right. Yeah. And, you know, one time I was like, how do you know that? You know, like mm. how I, I remember because it was like completely new. She just met and she was older, too. She was like in her 20s. So she like kind of knew more around. And she was just like, I just I I know that's a small town and I know that it's very heavily white. And I can only imagine you're the only Muslim there. And that has to be hard no matter where you are. Mm. And I do know a couple of people who have been from there and I just have heard stories of yeah. it just being very, you know, uh, I don't know the word, whether it's like, just like very strongly opinionated mm. against different things. And this yeah. also was, time, I think the word would be conservative because, you know, political wise, uh, this was like during the Donald Trump era during, you know, mm. the Muslim ban. Mm. And if you have a huge, if you have an entire, uh, or majority population of your town is like supporting someone who doesn't support you. Obviously, that's not mm. where you want. You uh, know, and I'm sure that felt very because um, we cause a lot of minority groups under. Not that we always talk about politics on here, um, but a lot of people during that time felt an unnecessary pressure on their group, if that makes sense. When he was going through his different you know, rants of this, that, and the other of, like, whatever group it was that was ticking him off that day. But, like, it is also, like, it is fascinating to me because when all this started, right, like, all this communicating, all this idea building of how can we improve, when people reached out to me about what initially got all this going was uh, I didn't think it was maybe that big of a problem, Right. Like I thought it was maybe just maybe it was just me that went through this. Maybe it was just like not that big of a deal. Maybe the people that are younger me, like you, Riley, all these other individuals that I met that day, maybe they didn't see it that way. Maybe they had a totally different experience. And I was really hopeful for that. But to hear that it went that far to where you are 30 minutes away and they they can relate to maybe it's difficult. It's, it's a burden. It can be, you know, it can be worrisome for parents, right? Is 
more of the reason why I feel like we need to fix this because <laughs> that because yeah. because lo- I agree with the people that disagree with me on a lot of stuff. I, Lodi is yeah. not that right. Like the individuals I know from that environment, like my wife is from there. I'm from there. You know, I know a lot of people from there. They are not like that. But when a strong reputation like that is present, we need to address it and figure out why it happened and how we can miss, we can remanage that because I think that's really valuable to growing a city. And, yeah. you know, that's, so that's, yeah. that's just an inch. When you told me that story, I've honestly used that in a lot of different things with um, talking to just community members, talking to other school district people of like, this is where we're at, right? Yeah. Like this is, this is, this is the point where we're at. This is the reading temperature of today. Cause like I am X amount of years removed from the high school, you know, people that I've had like Melody on here, she is a mom. She, you know, so it's not as maybe recent as what you were telling us. And so it's like all of these generation people that were complaining about this, this is where it's gotten us to is that yeah. you go practice and they're just like, Oh shit. Like, that can't be fun growing up there. Like, I don't know. That it tripped me out when you when you told me that because I think it's, I think it's something that we need to address. Yeah. Well, time. because like, I don't know. It's interesting when you know when you're talking about race and then you're talking about ethnicity differences, mm. and then you know how you said, "Oh, I didn't really think about uh, like religious differences," and I don't know if this is like. I don't really think it is most religions. I feel like it's Muslims specifically in mm, America mm. have, you know, 9-11, these other things. And so after that is what made Muslims so stand out religiously. And mm. I feel like since those times and since other things and this huge terrorist, you know, stereotypes and yeah. that is what made it harder Mm. And it's not like, you know, the religion itself. It's what everyone else thinks of the religion now. Yeah. What no, that's an interesting point. Effects yeah. To left out to being this other thing. Right. That has, which is similar to what, you know, um, racial, like racially different and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, did, is that something talked about in the Muslim community, of, like the side effects of 9-11 or is it something kind of like you were saying where it's just kind of unspoken, but you know that it's present there? Does that make sense? Yeah. I actually don't remember ever talking about 9-11, like actually, mm. um, or any of that stuff. Maybe we should. I think it'd be helpful. And actually, I was at a Muslim event yesterday that was uh, talking about mental health and how we want to bring more um more of the Muslim community together to talk about mental health and yeah. be more about it. So definitely is something I'm going to be working on, uh, getting more people together and talking about that kind of stuff. Because, yeah. you know, when we get together, we usually are, you know, praying together, you know, mm. learning together. You know, it's a little bit more happy and stuff like that. But I think it would be helpful for us to talk about like, oh, guys, like we're Muslims in America. Like, how are you guys doing? Yeah. Yeah. Because like you said, I don't for, you know, when 9-11 happened, the the trickle effect of it, as horrible, obviously, as it was, it did put a giant target and like you kind of mentioned in the past conversation here, a face 
to a religion, even if it's inaccurate, right? Like that's just what it did. Um, because both sides, right, left, right, Fox News, CNN, everyone was pushing a very – like it was a horrific event. It was a national horrific event and so there was all this attention on it, rightfully so. But yeah. what that does sometimes is in individuals in smaller communities uh, don't have – a Muslim community to reference that to, right? Like in places in Madison, they're probably like, oh, well, we have a larger Muslim community. That's not really what they look like or identify as. So we can work with that. When you are stuck and you are literally, maybe you have one family that is Muslim, there is going to be this natural right or wrong fear of that idea because of just what everything is happening, right? Like it was a catastrophic event, but like to not talk about that side effect of the shit that happens is also part of the problem that we're talking about when it comes to history lessons and not teaching slavery properly or not talking about the Chinese Exclusion Act or not talking about what the LGBTQ community has had to go through as far as demonstrations and murders. It's like mm-hmm. when we gloss over that shit, it doesn't <laughs> do anyone good because it, it yeah. you know, it just lowers the value of all that, you know. Yeah, it does. And it like really is dowing, dowing downer it's like a downer because it's like i know you guys like talked about a little bit this uh too but basically like muslims have so much more to offer like history wise too like i mean why didn't they teach us that like the you know math started from a muslim Mm. like a lot of science discoveries came from muslims a Mm. lot of literature um like advancements came from the Muslim community. Like nobody knows that. I didn't even know that. Like there's like, there's just so much more. And, but the only thing they teach about is these extremist groups. And Mm. it's like, uh, hello. It's not like I supported nine 11. Like, you know, the guy, like obviously it was just as tragic to us as it was to you guys. But somehow it's like, Oh, you're Muslim now you're related to this crazy extremist and every other extremist group ever like no we don't support that if anything that's not even in our religion like right right have to fall for the responsibility that's a really interesting point that you just made of like there was a a, a stereotype a thought process that that was literally part of your religion if you're a muslim was this hatred against the west was this extremist destroying must destroy the west in your mm-hmm. religion and I was like that's shit's not even true like no. it doesn't even go that like it doesn't yeah we like muslim like muslims who actually practice islam how it's supposed to be practiced do not agree with anything right. that they're doing <laughs> well it's like but. when a lot of like when there's school shooters and they preference god it's not that we re- relate school shooting to christian only yeah, but for right. some for some reason i don't know what it is but like that is what happens to certain yeah. groups as far as like when the drug epidemic happened it was mostly black faces you saw right like it was the black community was this is your problem when it was 9-11 it seems to just be a muslim thing that this is what you guys did now fast forwarding to covid the asian community is feeling that of like well you invented this you're asian so you must have started covid it's like well okay fuck that doesn't even make sense (laughs) but that's a very dangerous rhetoric to start spreading and using right so what was growing up because 
a lot of our listeners are from Lodi, so they remember school programs. We have a lot of, you know, Jesus loves you, that, you know, dairy, not, maybe it was not as strong anymore, but like there's definitely a, a connection between Christian real holidays and themes. Oh, yeah. And how is that as someone who doesn't practice Christianity, someone that practices a full real, different religion? Yes, yes, yes. So, um, it was huge and it was, it always left this like, I really don't know what word to describe it, but something like, it felt forced. Mm. Like, I was, you know, I was going to the mosque, I was, you know, I love my religion, I was so passionate about it, but every day I had to go to school and sing about Jesus. Mm. And this is a public school and... Like, you were always celebrating Christmas. We're always having theme parties for Easter. And we're always having right. uh, all these holidays, you know, thrown in my face. And I mean, even I just, Ash Wednesday, right? Like, I remember, yep. you know, that this just happened. It was something that you would see a majority of people walking around with that. And again, it's not good or bad, but it is what it is as far as, like, that is the imagery you saw as someone who doesn't practice Christianity, you know? Mm-hmm. What was, yeah. what was what was that burden like? Because, like, I don't – you're able to see, like, the f- forcefulness. I don't know if that may be the right word to use in this situation. But this idea of that's what was celebrated, um, mm-hmm. what was that just – I don't know. What was that development-wise? Yeah. I mean, as a kid, too, like, being in elementary school and, like, always doing that and then being in middle school and always doing all of them, mm. it made it seem – like Christian religion was so much cooler than mine Mm. and made me feel like, well, they get all these fun holidays and like, we don't do that. And like, even through Christmas too, like just being like as a kid being like, Oh, like, 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 Oh, everyone's like having a lot of fun. Like it seems like everyone's like doing all these holidays and like I go home and like, we're not doing that. And Mm. it almost seems like, seems like my family's doing something wrong. Mm. not like yeah. having as much fun or like our religion isn't as cool as theirs or um yeah. just being like oh just always it's like that constant reminder kind mm. of thing like yeah. oh well yeah it's, it's just the majority isolation feeling yeah yeah just feeling isolated a little bit just yeah. feeling like out of place and also feeling like I had to participate because if I didn't participate it just would have been so out of the even more out of the box like you know I did have teachers ask me be like you know you guys don't have to participate if you don't want to but like what do you want me to do sit in the corner while all of my friends are like opening gifts or all of my friends are easter hunting and like doing christmas songs like I'm in music class I have to be in music class and you guys are singing christmas holiday songs for our concert you want me to sit in the crowd like there's nothing else I can do like this is my school like I like I'm how good. it, yeah. I like how the the presentation of solution was like just to take you out of it versus maybe adding in a <laughs> song that you know something that yeah. It's like let's just remove you from it versus supporting maybe a song, a children's because I'm sure there are a children's song that celebrates Muslim you know holidays or whatever it may have been at that time. It's like why is it just easier to remove me versus support me? Yeah, and then even in high school sometimes like we would 
be singing like more of a religious song. And I know my teacher would be like, hey, Asima, like, is it okay that we sing this? So like, we don't have to sing this if we don't want to. And, you know, I get it. It's like, you know, like they were aware that it was like very Christian stuff mm. like that. But the entire class wants to sing it. I'm not going to stop everyone from singing it and be the bad guy in a sense. Right. And being like, oh, we have to sing a different song. Like, that's really ballsy and like. Right. To put it on the shoulders of a kid. Yeah, that's a lot of pressure. Like, oh, I'm just going to ruin the concert for everybody. Or like, what's the other option? I, I don't know if there's even another option. There like, is another option. They pick a different song from the get-go and this isn't even an issue. <laughs> right? Like, they don't then, like, do something that is more central to diversity versus us leaning towards a specific religion and then blaming like, well, Asima, if you don't want to do it, we don't have to. It's like, do you understand what that does to someone under 18 years of age? <laughs> yeah. So you have a classroom of 30 people. Cause I was in choir. There was a lot of fucking people. It's like 30 some mm-hmm. odd people. And then they stop song wise and just look at you and say, well, we can pull the trigger if you want to one <laughs> versus 29 other people. Like, Jesus yeah. Christ. That's ridiculous. Um, crazy. But, and not only that, though, but, like, um, there also is just not – there's just no room for me to be anything but that. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, like, there's nowhere for me to go. Like, if I was – if I wanted to even pray, like, um, you know, we have five daily prayers – and when I was in middle school and high school, I was really getting, you know, consistent with those. But I had to skip my prayers and had to just make them up when I got home because there's nowhere for me to pray at school. Mm. And if there is, I'm in class and like it'd be like so awkward for me to have to explain to the teacher that like I have to go pray. Like they won't even know what I'm talking about. And eventually I one time I did ask the principal like, hey, like, do you think like there's anywhere like where I could pray like throughout the day and stuff like that. But he had barely any idea of what I was even talking about. And it was like, he was like, Oh, well, like you might be able to go in this like random room over here, but mm-hmm. like, but there's just no space for me. Right. There's no like, you know, there's not much I can do. There's no options. So like when there's no options, you just follow everybody else. Cause what are you, what else are you supposed to do? Right. And you talked about, to the idea because again correct me if i'm wrong but you were kind of mentioning stories and experiences of like you would see two weeks off for christmas break right um Mm -hmm. but then you had a major religious holiday that requires that may be beneficial if you're just not in school at that moment for it to practice and they either shot it down or something like that was that is that story accurate in how I'm telling it or it was so <clears throat> Ramadan is a month long and it's uh, where you know we fast during the day and then we wake up very early in the morning before the sun rises eat like a good nutritious meal before we fast all day and then we eat dinner when the sun goes down and then we usually have a lot of prayers um, at nighttime and it's also like when Nighttime is also when, like, everybody, families get together, we have dinner, or we go to the mosque, and everyone, like, hosts a dinner, or we have, like, you know, a lecture or storytelling or something cool like that. But it usually goes up to the nighttime, because, you know, sun goes down around Mm 8. By the time you eat, go drive over there, it's 10, 11, 12, 
and then you wake up at like three or four in the morning. So it's like a very interesting schedule. And it was really, really hard one time because it was like my family did Ramadan like half-assed it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like I said, like they weren't that into the religion where they would, you know, do it full out. But I wanted to. Like right. I all my friends that I had in Madison were and I I wanted to. It was like my first Ramadan that I was gonna fast every single day. Mm. And I wanted to go to those storytellings. I wanted to go with the community and eat dinner with them. And I wanted to stay during the night and pray and stuff like that. And I had to email all my teachers and I was like, hey, is there any way that I can like just make up this work for later? Like, you know, can I please have an extension on this? Can I have an extension on that? Like, I just had to explain myself to all of them. And some of them were cool with it because it was also during um, a little bit during the pandemic too. So Mm. we're online. So they were like, okay, like that's cool. But if we weren't online, which was every other year, I never got to participate with yeah. what I had to because I had to be in bed and I had to have school and I had to wake up in the morning. Right. And most of the time I didn't even end up fasting most of the days because I'm at school and we have gym and we have all these other mm. things. And it was just really hard. And I yeah. had like, um, I wanted to participate in like um, track and sports and stuff like that. But it was also really hard because like I was fasting and like, uh, it's yeah. just like, well, it's not this- healthy, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, that's that is an interesting experience that I feel even people of color can't really hook hook onto as far as relate to, right? Like, because it is such it's so different when you talk about religion. I feel like I think it's it's not easier by any means, but like historically in this country, when you talk about oppression, it gets related to people of color right when you talk about what demonstration and push for equality looks like again it stereotypically gets pushed to people of color but when you talk about religion in a community that fosters christianity i don't know how that would have been really difficult you know because like again it's it's different like people are uncomfortable talking about christianity let alone muslim post 9-11 right and so yeah there just must have been interesting to see the the dynamics of Christianity support because like I I I know someone while I was in school wanted he was very outwardly he wanted to be a pastor that was his thing he was gonna go graduate high school he was gonna go do his college go to seminary become a pastor and mm-hmm. relating your two guys' experience it seems like that his path was much more easier to feel supported by because I remember Mm -hmm. we were, he was in a class that is focused around project-based learning, meaning that you get to pick your subject and you can, at the end of the term, you write a full report and a presentation and it has to be really in depth, right? That was what one of the classes was. And he interviewed my dad because he is a pastor. And I was really shocked that you, that he picked religion to do as a project because like, well, a lot of ours was not that. It was like veterinarian. It was dance and art influence. It was it was not religion, right? But the way he felt, or the way I, you know, the way he is, 
projected how he felt was just very supported in the whole thing. Like it was very easy for him to write a report about a religious profession that he wanted to do and give his presentation. But I couldn't, in, from what you're telling me too, you know, it's like, I don't know if that would have been the same if you decided to talk about your Muslim religion in a project-based learning, how that would have gone. Um, mm. I, I think I did a couple of times uh, choose Islam as like my essay topic mm. for like class or something yeah. like that. So and I did uh, pres- present like a little bit, a couple of times, just like mm-hmm. trying to be like, this is actually Islam, like a promise, like we're cool. Did you guys have Festival of Nations when you were in school? I think that's what it was called when I was in school. It's not ringing a bell. So when I was in school, we had, was it a full week? Maybe like a full week or a half of a week. Um, where the school like would bring in a guest speaker of a different culture or something. Um, and then throughout the week, the biggest event was on Friday and classes were pretty much canceled, but you had this passport and you got to go to these different presentations Aww. about different cultures, different shit like that. Did you have that? No, I don't have that. Yeah. So I had that. And so I talked about my trip to Korea when I went, um, and that was... I don't know why it left. I think I know why because I think the person who started it ended up leaving Lodi and teaches now at a uh, neighboring school district because she did not feel supported through her pushings of progression, equality, and stuff like that. Um, I don't. I don't want to put words in for her mouth, but it just seems like that she was always very um, protective of marginalized students, and so I don't know how she felt through that because she has outwardly spoken about the disappointments of this Lodi school district, but Mm -hmm. all of that said, did that impact how you felt about your religion? Like the shit that you went through, did that make you not as enthused growing up? Oh, it definitely would burst my bubbles. (laughs) Yeah. It definitely made it really hard. And like, if I didn't have the Muslim community in Madison, Mm. I feel like I would have, barely been Muslim like Mm. I feel like I if I didn't have the Madison influence um it would have been really bad Mm -hmm. and I know a lot of Albanians cousins and other people who are just barely practicing and barely connected to the Islam because they're just so integrated into other things in um, the American culture, like the Christian part of it and stuff like that. And um, yeah, it would have been really bad. Yeah. Like if I didn't have Madison, it would have been really bad. I feel a lot of us have that too. Cause I, for a period of time, just hated talking about like my Asian part of my life. Um, Mm -hmm. But I had this camp that I went to, I mean, every year since I was adopted, that celebrated Korean adoptees, Korean culture, and it was like a week-long thing that every summer I went to. Had it not been for that, I don't know where, how proud I would have been to be Korean. Um, And I've heard other stories. I've heard from friends that you and I both share of stories of like if it wasn't for them going to college now and finding communities that look like them or not even look like them, just support them better they maybe would have lost their identity in that sense. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's interesting because, again, I 
I'm at fault of saying, of thinking this, of just not thinking it as a religious thing, right? Like I always get hooked on that identity, that, that the, the stuff we're talking about in a person of color perspective and forget that in a lot of these parts of America, it's heavily Christian, if not all Christian. And so when you introduce, and again, it's funny, and I think you pointed this out at the meeting, like Muslim is as big, if not bigger than Christianity, by, yeah. by 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 practicing numbers and like truly yeah. devoted individuals, right? Like, it's like what it seems from someone that it, that did follow Christianity for a period of his life and that's pastor all this stuff. It seems like it's not even a thing. I know, if, if, right? If that makes sense, right? Like, it yeah. is statistically, it is a large religion. It is it goes over Buddhism, all these other smaller ones. But from the Christianity standpoint, I didn't even think it was that big. Yeah. And I didn't hear about Muslim shit until 9-11. Um, yeah. So, like, it's just this weird phenomenon around, you know, the Muslim community, you know, and religion. So crazy. Yeah. It is really crazy. It's, um, I, yeah, I was going to say, like, if I was not, like, it, it's so interesting because, like, the Madison Muslim community is like really, really big. Mm. And they are even still growing. And right. that's just outside of here. And they're, I feel like Muslims are everywhere, mm. but because of like how we get treated, like we don't like speak up, we kind of stay low. We don't really, you know, especially in like Lodi. And I remember even my cousins, you know, how I said they graduated from here. They would tell me to change how they pronounce my last name because my last name is Ibrahimi yes. and so is theirs. And Ibrahimi is like um, very Muslim, like it's uh, one of the one of the prophets and stuff like that. Yeah. So like when someone sees my last name, they could really easily identify me as like being Muslim and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And that was like a target. And my because my cousins went to high school before me they ended up changing how everyone pronounces our last name. That's so, so much crazy. So, yeah, so much so that I would go to school and I'd be like, everyone would be calling me like Brahmi or Brahmi. I'd be like, that's not how you pronounce my last name. They're like, what do you mean? Like your cousin's pronounced like that. And I was like, Mike, why is everyone like pronouncing our name like this? And he goes, because like, first of all, it's easier. And two, like, I don't want, that's so fucking crazy to me because I didn't have – right? Okay, because like I have a very German last name. I'm adopted. My parents are white. So I never had – I have a name issue thing, but it's not like that, right? Um, like usually just people assume my name is like Chi or Chow or Lee or something when it's not. I um, never had to physically and like literally change the pronunciation of something. And that to me is a fucking trip. And you're not the only, like, at the meeting, you're not the only one that alluded to this. Like, there are Hispanic students that also felt this way, that it was just easier to to cater, right, to shift your name. And mm-hmm. that's so, what I am learning about in school, about self-identity and the pride that comes with that, that's so demoralizing to mm-hmm. just not have again, it's like that thing in choir we talked about the, your experience through choir. It is better to remove the problem than to support it. Yeah, and it, it is easier to change your name 
right, of what your cousin said, what I've heard other people tell me, than to just have people fucking try and pronounce it properly. Yeah. That's, well, you know. Yeah. Well, it's also for us is because, like, my parents had a talk with me being, like, you know, kind of basically keep it on the down low. Like, you don't want everyone to know that we're Muslim. And is because it could put our entire family business in jeopardy. Hmm. Yeah. So, like, because, you know, we're surviving with this business, if people know that we're Muslim and they might not come. And if they don't come, Mm. we are not going to make anything. So like as a child hearing that being like, you shouldn't be expressive because people might say something or think of something about our family. Not that it's true, but just because they will think about it, that our entire family business could go to shit. That's fucking crazy. That's a weight on a child's shoulders that is just like just daunting, right? Like that's insane. Like, and it's the truth though, right? Like it is, people don't want to hear that, but if you guys all of a sudden had Muslim artifacts throughout Lucy's, if you all took breaks to pray in the middle of a shift at Lucy's, if you did all these things, what would that economically mean to your business? Um, Mm -hmm. And to, to not even want to try and experience that and to where your parents and, you know, I have a son now. I get that. I would have probably done the same damn thing. I'm just like, Hey, let's just not, let's just not do it. It's just not worth it. We may lose everything. Like that is, that's part of the problem. That is a problem. That is something where that's crazy. I'm really speechless at this point to be quite honest. I honestly never thought about it in that perspective because if you're not from Lodi, Lucy's is literally a staple. Like I don't joke around when like, I'm not trying to be funny when I say that, like everyone eats at Lucy's. I know people that are addicted to Lucy's. Like I, like I, you know what I mean? Like I've been going there shit since I lived in Lodi. Right. But to be worried that all that could change simply because of what you want to do as a, what is in your right as a human is just kind of, it's just kind of a, uh, a whirlwind, <laughs> to yeah. say the least. Well, because it got really bad again because of uh, Trump's stuff. Mm. You know? So, like, you know, it was 9-11, and then it was kind of like, oh, okay, really yeah. bad. And then it was like, uh, yeah, I don't think, like, people like us that much. And then it was like Trump, and then it was like the Muslim ban and all that stuff. And then people in our town even were very, like, very just you know strong in their opinions Mm. and you know cool but like there was a lot of hate and there was also a lot of like um like it gave them the it gave them the confidence to be like I can say this and I can feel this about you because he like our president you know thinks that way yeah and it could be a lot worse so like during Trump and stuff like that got even worse and it was like it was almost like, ooh, well, good thing they don't know much about us. Yeah, you know, yeah. They did, probably would have no business right now. Because it is, people don't, like, there are things about Trump that I, I didn't, that didn't rub me the wrong way, I'll say. Right? There are certain things that he did, I was like, okay, I get that. 
But the one thing that I never would was ever comfortable with was this idea that he had of putting things on a pedestal as far as like, let's focus here, right? And like, let's put all of this negativity on this group and then we'll shift it to this group and then we'll shift it to this group. It's like the trickle effect of that. And what I already, what I always try and tell people from like the coast cities, like Los Angeles, New York City, is like this is why the country has a hard time progressing is because these small communities that are labeled as the backbone of America, usually like farming communities like Lodi, get hooked onto these messages, right, of Muslim bad, Muslim terrorist, Asian COVID, Hispanic rapist, mm. uh, blacks drugs, right? They take these quick assumptions and these headlines and these snippets from speeches and get hooked onto that. And when yeah. you are in a community, again, that is majority of that way for a child, for a family who is singular in that perspective, it's hard. It's isolating. It's You don't yeah. feel these things that Lodi community members talk about, about support, about community, about love, about all this shit that they want to talk about, which is there, yes. But when these things happen, you're not talking about the whole community. Because mm-hmm. you are part of the community. You are a major metropolitan part of the Lodi economic system. People go to your restaurant, but they're yeah. not talking about it in that sense. They are still, okay, well, let's just not talk about the religious aspect and maybe we can still eat here type shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just weird, too, because, like, you can tell people aren't as, like, inclusive, I guess, just even, like, in the out doors because I mean I've even had a couple of like um neighbors who like wouldn't wave to us and stuff like that like you know like our neighbors would like get together and stuff like that but like we never got together with them because like no one you know or like uh I know my mom being like do you think you know this house like I always try to wave to them but like every time they see us they like turn the other way Mm -hmm. I was like that's so weird you know and it's just like um it's just a weird thing. And then I know at school too, like there was always like a couple people who would um, jokingly, and I put that in quotation marks because, you know, you can't just cover it as a joke, but they would come to me and be like, Oh, I bet you're voting for Trump. Aren't you? Right. Uh, okay. Um, you don't have to like, you because, know, cause it comes back to like, why did you have to say that to me? You're not saying that to anyone else in this school. Because, like, that's yeah. the difference between when people use, like, the joke or I was just trying to be funny. It's, like, you know that his agenda is a Muslim ban. So you mm-hmm. find the only Muslim and ask this question, right? Yeah. From a perspective of if you're white, maybe that shouldn't bother you, right? They they sometimes see it as, well, it's just, it's just a kid being a kid. It's, like, no, there's per, per doc, there is thought there that they know that they can get a fucking reaction out of you because you are a Muslim. Mm -hmm. That's not funny. That's not a joke. That is targeting. Yeah. That's the difference, right? Like you're not asking anyone else that fucking question in this manner because they're not Muslim. Mm -hmm. If that's not targeting, I don't know what is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's really funny though because because I work there so often – Mm. I, I see these kids at schools and mm. then I see their parents in Lucy's like, every weekend. And it's like, you just know, you know how they feel. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of that 
comes from like your environment. Where are you learning this shit? Like you guys are kids. Something I want to talk to you about because we're getting getting close to the end here. I wanted to make sure I get this in here. When I met you, um, I already knew Riley because she's Katie's cousin. Um, but when I m- got to talk to all of you, um, you guys were so passionate that it struck like a real chord in me to be quite honest because in my experience we just didn't talk about this shit we didn't know about it we didn't have the technology like you guys had probably through your high like your four years of high school comparatively to my four years of high school like facebook was just getting big my senior year right so like it wasn't even used the same way it is used now let alone tiktok and all these other platforms and just access to information right and we didn't have a national worldwide phenomenon like with what happened to George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. Like we like if it did happen, it was not given the attention that it was this time around, right? Mm. Where do you think that comes from of your guys' generation? Right? Because again, my generation, even as some people call them activists now, aren't nearly as tied in as what I thought you guys were. I thought you guys honestly wouldn't give a like two rats ass i don't when i no so when i thought when i put this meeting together i was talking to katie and i was like i understand where like the older people can bring in perspective i don't know how these younger generations are going to see it or how proactive they are because again in my experience in my time in high school it just wasn't the asian kid did not get along like no that did not get along the asian kid did not get it with the black kid with the hispanic kid and be like yo did this happen to you? Fuck yeah, it happened to me. Did this happen to you? Yeah, like we didn't do that. We just, it was our yeah. own experiences, our own burden to deal. But when you guys came in and I saw um, people supporting yours from like the Hispanic community to the black community to your religious community, there was this beautiful like tie in. Where does that come from? Where do you think that comes from? Honestly, I had never talked about it with them until the day in that room. Interesting. So like, it was actually, it was actually crazy that I was even there because it was really last minute. My, uh, Anna called me and she was like, Hey, there's like this, uh, like we're getting together, like with minority groups. You want to come speak? I was like, speak about what? (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, (laughs) she's like, we're like minorities and Loda. Come on, just like, come. I'll explain when you come. I was like, okay, cool. I come. And then she's like talk about like you know how this and this happened whatever right because we were like friends and you know when sometimes we were together things would get said to both of us so we kind of knew but like we didn't like specifically talk about it but we both knew like these people are racist these people are weird let's just just talk about some stuff that you that happened to you and I was like oh okay cool and then I did and then I heard everyone else speak Mm. that day Mm. And like I've never talked to Riley and them, but Anna has because mm. they were like friends. Yeah, because they were their sister's friends. So mm. like, honestly, we we don't really talk. And I know that a lot of more people that I added to the group recently, um, I've never talked to them. And I was actually kind of like interested. Like I was like, do you guys have like did these things happen to you? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, oh, cool, okay, yeah, <laughs> good, yeah, yeah. So. So honestly, it's not that different from you. I think we were just passionate because we got the opportunity to speak up about it, and then once it was said out, once it was said out loud, um, it kind of reminded us, like, mm. oh, God, that's not supposed to happen. Yeah, yeah. Where do so you? Honestly, 
until we got this group together. But I will even say, though, like, your guys' generation just seems more tied in, right? I was talking to Melody and mm-hmm. about her son and just, again, your guys' age bracket there. You know what's going on globally. You know what's going on mm-hmm. nationally, right? I think for my generation at the time and previously before that, like, obviously with pre-internet and just with all that, it was so localized, right? Like, we didn't see what was happening in New York City or Los Angeles or Minnesota even, or even Chicago, right? Even as close as it are, we were just, okay, if it doesn't happen in Madison, it probably didn't fucking happen. But you oh. all had the have the access to the same information I'm seeing as a 30-year-old, right, at, okay. at a younger age. And so I just find that your guys' passion was just so different, uh, you know, as far as, like, yeah, you would have okay. asked me if, like, if that situation would have happened, like, right, a friend told me, like, hey, we're going to talk to these people, but I would have been like, fuck no, I'm not <laughs> doing that. Like, are you kidding me? I don't, this is not something we can do. But the fact that you guys showed up and had these elegant thoughts spoken, I was like, oh, this is different. This is way different. This is this is tangible. This is hopeful. This is this is what we want as far as marginalized groups to see your guys' generation be like, no, 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 like we're not doing this anymore. Like they're talking about it and they're talking about it and the group before them were talking about it. what the fuck are we doing? Like it, it's that attitude. It's like what the fuck do we have to do to change this versus my generation's attitude of like, well, I don't know, like we have all this information but we're not going to do anything with it, I guess. It's just different. I think we were so ready to talk about it because of what happened. Like, like you said, like we're on Instagram and we're on TikTok. And when George Floyd and when all these other things were happening and the world was rioting and everything was going on, we saw it every day. Mm. And I saw it's actually really interesting on my part because on social media, I saw all of my Madison peeps posting and being so passionate about it mm. and Lola so quiet mm. everyone every single like I have most of the people in the high school added on my Instagram and on my you know yeah. platforms <laughs> if they were ever active on Instagram or anything that week or that month they were so quiet on Instagram they mm. were so scared to post mm. and I was even nervous to post anything because um I knew that I would go to school and I would see these people. And if it, it just felt weird, it was mm. really weird for Lodi. Um, yeah. But- see, I, when the, all that happened, I was talking to Katie cause we were in California still. And mm-hmm. we talked about what it would have been like in Lodi at that time. Um, when all this I- shit was happening. And that's a lot of the time, like even with people that are on the other side of all this shit, even they called it like just quiet. It was just, it was just, it wasn't, they weren't pushing for it negatively. They weren't pushing for it positively. It was just like this weird time of silence of like. Yeah. And people have to understand, like, especially the older people that are listening to this, like what you guys, what your guys is young, what the younger generations do with their social media is telling of the community in ways because Mm -hmm. like that is just how you all communicate that is through TikTok, through these videos, through these pictures. It's like that it, it is a metric that should be taken seriously um Mm -hmm. when someone posts a video or pictures of you know racist things that should be telling of maybe what they actually identify with um 
Yeah. How is that? How is, and we'll get this wrapped up here soon, but how is that dealing? Cause that's something we talked about in the meeting too, is like you guys had to deal with racism on a digital age, right? I didn't have to do that. I didn't, it was said to my face, which is a lot easier, I think in ways, because I can just be like, well, fuck you. I'm just not going to listen to you. I'm going to keep going versus someone shared in our group that they had their face photoshopped onto an image of Dora the Explorer jumping over the border um, and was tagged in this, meaning for those who don't aren't savvy, that they were their profile was attached to this image and therefore it's able to be shared. It's be able to just have a bigger audience. What was that factor like, the, digi- the, the social media factor of, of oppression or racism? Um, honestly, for nothing had happened to me in mm. this way. Mm. And the only instance I know is of her, yeah. uh, what that happened. But for me, nothing happened digitally, really. Um, I wasn't really connected in ways like I would really only post on Instagram if it was like things about like my um, like my daily life. Gotcha. And I really kept light on social media and stuff like that. But I did recently like not recently but like in my senior year like my last year of (laughs) this is so dumb um it was senior year and it was literally a week before graduating like this is how I left high school okay I had seen on snapchat something posted I wasn't tagged during it or anything like that but it was basically two boys um in the hallway and he had yelled he had put his mask on his head and yelled um, Allahu Akbar into the hallways. And for anyone who doesn't know what that means, it's basically um, God is the greatest, but it's in Arabic and it's basically attached to Muslims. And um, it's usually used in, in, in a negative connotating way. And it's usually um, when people say it, they usually use it in a daunting way in reference to like when people like in terrorist groups would say it a almost like a slur in ways. Yeah. No. Yeah. People have really like distorted that saying, but that's what it was. And it was a video of him saying that in the hallways. And I was shocked. Cause I was like, what are you serious? That's what okay. people don't understand too, is with this, with the digital access as great as it can be. Right. People can dig deep to find those phrases and understand that if they use that, it could piss someone off if they see it, right? Because that's, again, mine was like, hey, go back to your country type of talking. Yours is a very specific thing that this individual was able to find through their social media of like, hey, you want to piss off anyone that's Muslim? You could probably say this word and it would do it. Um, That's... That's terrifying in ways because I think the – and that's I guess maybe my worry for communities is that if you don't address this, it's going to just continue to escalate and Mm -hmm. it's going to get more specific. It's going to get more – you know what I mean? Like it's going to be more of a targeted feel. Um, And I have seen videos of Lodi students using the N-word. We're going to kill you N-words. This is, and and they were identified and nothing happened. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, you know, this got shown 
to the principals and stuff like that, but nothing ended up happening because they don't know what to do. Right. And they don't have and a that, plan. Yeah. They don't have a plan. And I think that's one thing, like that was like the week of my graduation. Like I left that school being like, there's, you know, people are saying these things and the school has no idea what to do with them. Like, you know, I got suddenly said, Hey, well, you know, I talked to him and he said he was sorry. And he like, they didn't mean it that way. It was a joke. And, um, he wanted to apologize to you. And I was like, I don't want to hear his apology. Like, what is that going to do? Right. That's, and that seems to be a common denominator between generations of people that go through this is like, it's just this idea of like, well, it was just a joke. You are the one that misunderstood. It's like, well, how am I the one that's misunderstood when it's my culture or my understanding of a slur? Right. Like, that's what I've always thought about that is like, maybe you're the one misunderstanding it because you don't understand the severity of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and it's not a joke. It's not funny. There's nothing. If you think that's fucking funny. You need to get corrected on what's funny. As yeah. Can, you know, because like, because that, that sucks that that happened to you. Um, because I remember my last week of senior year. It was a blast. Like, I, like I, I, it was so much fun because I was done with school. All of these hopeful feelings are coming through. You're graduating. You're planning this. You have a senior trip. You're doing all this exciting shit. And for that to be the last taste you get mm-hmm. is just – it's not fair yeah. and it's and it it's dev- it it will be the death to diversity and inclusion in this in this little community unless we fix that in my opinion because like that's fucked up yeah. in my opinion i don't think you should have had to deal with that your last week like you should be out <laughs> celebrating you should be happy you should be everything but what you probably felt when you saw that video and then no accountability held to that um yeah because it was really weird, the the timing of when they posted this video, because it was when uh, things were going down with Palestine. Mm. And um, it, a lot of the things in the news was, uh, you know, between like Muslims and Jewish and, yeah. uh, you know, that conflict. And, you know, either he put on the mask on his head to look like a Jew saying a lot like that, or he put the mask on his head to look like a Muslim because I guess, you know, sometimes they wear like a white cap too. But either way, like no matter no matter which way you would have interpreted this video, it was like, dude. <laughs> yeah, no, it was over the line. I you sent it to me. It was it's it's these things are not jokes. They're not funny. Um, and the way that they get handled and overlooked is is very traumatizing. Is another right word, but it sticks with you. Right. Like it's something that is always in the back of your head of like, oh, that's how you felt like because you didn't do it. Like and it's it goes back to this point that we've been talking about is isolation and not supporting and not feeling part of this Lodi community when the agenda is inclusion. Right. Like they always are pushing Lodi pride, Lodi, you know, this, that or the other. It's like but when that happens and it's not talked about, it's not handled properly. Um, in fact, usually no, nothing happens, but then you want us to be supportive and to support the community and come back and do alumni shit and just pretend Mm -hmm. that this shit didn't happen. It's like, that's not how life fucking works. We have a stigma because it is not being addressed. It's not being worked on up until like roughly now. It's something that if you do talk about, you get usually flacked for a lot of shit on it. Right. Um, why would we want to do that? <laughs> like, why would we want, but 
it is my thought that like it is our right to be a part of Lodi in the way we want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Not just, hey, deal with this joke that's not even a joke and then you'll get over it. It's like, no. I want to be a part of this Lodi community as a Korean individual. You want to be it as, as X, Y. Like, we all want to be doing this. Why yeah. the f- why should we be the ones that put on a country cowboy hat, use tobacco spit, and then that's that's the only way we can represent this community? It's because, yeah. like, fuck that. Like, we are so much better than that. It has so much more to offer. Like, Lodi is a beautiful place if we can just yeah. fix up these little fucking things, you know? Yeah. I totally agree. And it's, it's also, I also want to participate in this alumni stuff more because my brother is still there. Mm. My sister is still there and they go there every single day. And even though the, 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 the generations right now are seeing a lot more change happening on TikTok, And I feel like they're being, I feel like it's just the perfect time yeah. to introduce this to this generation because yep. the kids, are very exposed. They know what's going on and they are ready to be told what to do and what not to do for like culture stuff and diversity because they're exposed to it on the internet. They're just kind of waiting for the schools to catch up. And if the schools doesn't catch up then like, it's not going to change anything. And, you know, I, even my younger siblings have stories and stuff like that too, you know? Mm. And, that's hard to hear yeah and i don't want that to continue yeah no i agree um we'll get into what we call the quick hitters there are just (laughs) questions that are meant to put you on the spot so don't freak out um the first one is what is the stereotype you most are annoyed of frustrated with um about either you know your albanian culture or your muslim religion the stereotype. Mine always changes, by the way. You it's, changes? Yeah, mine changes, I think, daily when I think about it, <laughs> honestly, about the Asian community. <laughs> I think the most obvious one is that, like, Muslims are terrorists and Muslims yeah. are very, like, um, extreme and aggressive and, like, everything but peaceful. Right. Because that's just so opposite what it is. That's an interesting way to uh, phrase that. Anything but positive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because, yeah. That's that's real. That's real truth right there. Um, if I got a group of a hundred people together from Lodi from communities similar, and you had this power to instill in these people a belief or something that just they have to kind of follow um what would that be for example people have used empathy people have used like look at things in a different perspective is there anything that you wish just you could put in people's innate ability to do educate like i would want to educate them like if i could magically just be like boom you're educated now that'd be awesome because I just don't want people walking around influencing kids, influencing their families on an ignorant basis. Mm. Like at least have a very solid education on these types of things. That's a good one. That's something that no one has said. That's why I wanted you to rephrase it for like, or not, re- not rephrase it, re-say it because I, the, the technical difficulty. Um, well, yeah. I want to say thank you so much for uh, doing this. Um, we have a lot of work to do together in our future. I'm really hopeful 
um, for what we can hopefully accomplish together as a group. Um, it, I don't know if you are someone that likes to put their social media platforms out there, but if you would, feel free to drop your handles now. <laughs> I mean, I can shout out my podcast yeah, please do. too. Yeah, you can check out um, Real Nonsense, but it's under the username Clarion Radio on SoundCloud. Clarion, C-L-A-R-I-O-N, Clarion Radio. And you can listen to my podcast on there. Perfect. Um, And again, for those following and listening, you can find all of our stuff on Instagram, Facebook under The Homegrown Podcast. You can also find our podcast under that name on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate you guys listening um, and can't wait for the new episodes to come. Thanks again, Asimo. Thank you so much. So, so much. I appreciate it. Subscribe to the podcast is homegrown. Subscribe to the podcast is homegrown. The name of the podcast is homegrown. It's what everybody on on your tablet or your phone. Subscribe to the podcast is homegrown. Subscribe to the podcast is homegrown. The name of the podcast is homegrown.